Yo, before we get into this podcast, I want to ask for a huge favor from you. And that is if you have or you are getting value from this podcast, if you were to leave us a review or subscribe, it would mean the world. And quite frankly, selfishly, it's because I want to, we want to continue sharing these conversations, this medicine with the world. And when you leave a review, when you subscribe, it's a vote. And we would love to have your vote. Nonetheless, thank you so much and enjoy. How to create a strategic plan, attempt it, execute it, see if it works. If it doesn't, how do you adjust? And so that's what we are teaching our students is how to creatively problem solve, how to create the future. We are always on time. That is what just came to me in this very present moment. And I'm grateful to be in this exact present moment with you. Welcome to the conversation, Sam. How's it going, my friend? It's going fantastic. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Oh, for sure. And in the, in the most capable, capable way we can via a Zoom recording, this is this is a great place to have it, and one day I'm already putting it to intention. We're going to be able to sit down and have a definitely face to face conversation, do a similar version of this. But this this is going to be good. So tell me, what is your intention for this conversation? Great question. Um, I'd say my intention for this conversation is just to be open, raw, authentic, um, self um, share. You know, whatever whatever you feel called to jump into. Um, I'm, I'm a vessel for, um, I would say, uh, a lot of things, (laughs) but, uh, more than anything, I'd say I'm a vessel for spirit. Um, and I'd, I'd love to just delve into some of the things that I'm working on. Um, but more so be able to share any insights I've found along the way that might be able to help others, um, but really, I think my intention is just to be as authentic and vulnerable and open as as possible. Heck yeah, sweet. I'm, I'm piggyback off yours. It's kind of in the right space. I want to I want to vacate a lot of the the consistent chatter that likes to show up and really just create space for for soul to arise for the the essence to kind of ride through whether it's in questions or in listening or whatever it is I know it's easy especially in this format with as long as it can be it can be easy to kind of like trail off in thoughts and formulate things I'm like I want to be here with you I want to be present and create space for whatever is to arise that's what I'm pumped for so little background you and I have really only spoken twice now this is our second time ever talking at this point but you and I connected through a friend Angela and yes. Uh, she connected us regarding something that you were building, as I understood it, which was when she first brought it up to me, she said, Hey, I, I, I know this, uh, I've been working with this, with this group, this organization, this company around this concept of divergent learning and the complexities that is that. And before we dive into that, cause I want to seed it. I want to create a little bit of anticipation. Sure. I know you're doing some really you know, amazing work with this divergent learning, this divergent in you. And I first heard, I was like, Ooh, I want to get under the hood a little bit of who you are and what has got you here in this moment, in this sure. conversation where, where that is kind of building up to. So who is, who is Sam? 
Who, who is Sam? You want past, present, or future? Well, you could start with your present and maybe the past builds into that. Sure. Um, Sam is a powerful, genuine, authentic, real, active, present soul that is here to uh, support as many people as I can. Hmm. It's hard. It's hard for me to define myself, to be honest with you. Um, I've been, I mean, even the concept of divergent learning is like breaking away from a, a mold. And so like, we actually had a, a question in our last class, which I'll probably delve into a little bit more, but, and I'll explain kind of the backstory of this as we get going, but I'm actually taking the class as a student right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the, like the last question in the last class was like, what have you learned? Um, and basically I, I said, you know, I learned that. I am not in one box. Um, Everyone that I know will have a different definition of me and that will always be ever changing, including my own definition of myself. So like, even like the question of who are you um, to me is like, it's hard to identify a form because I am so many different things to so many different people. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately, I think my, my role is usually a leader. Um, I'm usually there to, be a support to others. Um, leadership to me is a collaboration. It's not like a command. Um, so I feel like I am, I am a person with many relationships. Um, I'm a person with many, many, um, I wouldn't even say hats, um, but many like forms that I think people see me in a lot of different ways, but ultimately I think the, the view that I would aspire for most people to have. And I think a lot of people do have is that I'm, I'm here to make a difference. Uh, I'm here to, like I said, support people and not necessarily like support the most amount of people, but support the people that I can as deeply as I possibly can. Um, so that is like what I'm called to do. There's a lot that I feel like I'm called to do in future tense. Um, but present wise, I feel like I am, I'm very divergent. Um, the only word that I really like claim for myself that I feel like is, um, and even that is like, it's just a word is a divergent leader. Um, I lead in a very different way and that's in my company and that's in divergent you. Um, but I think who I am is an ever changing, uh, person without a mask. I'm just real, raw, authentic. Sometimes it's ugly. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's emotional. Um, I've, I've, some people told me I'm an emotional person and I'm like, openly hearted. I am emotional. Like I'll, I'll go there, but I'm also extremely strategic and I'm extremely logical. And I think, Hmm. um, a lot of people think those two things like emotion and logic have to be, uh, pitted against each other in some way. Um, but I think that we can be vulnerable, open beings, um, and still have like, I don't think those are opposites in any way. I think we all are emotional beings. Um, I think we've been trained by society to hide that and to not show that because um, it's seen as a weakness, uh, specifically in men, it's seen as a weakness to be vulnerable or emotional. And so um, going off on a tangent there, but I feel like it is highly achievable to be both um, and to be open with both um, and not see that as a weakness. And so I think there's a lot of facets to who I am. And I think that gives a little bit of a 
uh, a gateway into the conversation at least. That's brilliant. Actually, we don't even need to jump right in immediate to the past. I know we said past and present, present leading to the past, but I have so much even just inside of that, which for one, you leading with this, uh, not of the words transient, but more like this ability to, to shape and mold based off of the environment that you're in, like what came present to my head as you were saying that was, Oh, he, in a way, and maybe I'm, I'm capturing this wrong, but he, in a way is who I am is more about who I am in this moment and who I am in this moment is dependent upon the type of leader that I need to be in this moment, because how I lead my family might be a little bit differently than how I lead my business versus how I lead a conversation inside of this conversation right here. Yeah. And, and I really appreciate that because it, it creates this malleability, right? This divergent thinking of, you know, perhaps there are core things that I am, like I am love, I am collaboration, I am communication, but in this moment, who I am and who I'm choosing to be is, is, is a listener or, you know, and, and it, maybe it needs to shift, right? And some moments you need to be a little bit more, uh, kind of what you pointed at, I think was like the masculine versus feminine, the, yeah. the directive versus the receiving and not that feminine is specific to females and that masculine specific to males, we both have it. We all have it. We all have both of it. And there are, you know, more masculine females and there are more feminine males. And for you to kind of like express like, yeah, I'm I'm both like, I have this emotional capacity. Like that is in our nature who we are and to be able to use our emotions, which are very potent, very potent driving forces. If we allow them to be used for us versus trying to stuff them down, because this is the, the, the patriarchal way of, of masculinity is we stuff it down and we yeah. just do do and we we strategize all the time versus you know creating space because as I'm sure you know being a, a father as I believe a father no not a father not yet. yet not yet not, not yet. yet okay but a husband Eventually. not yet right? you have a partner though mm-hmm. what okay so I'm just off base completely <laughs> you know what it was is when uh, you know last time we spoke you said you had family coming over. Yes. That's what tripped me up. I was just like, I swear he had a family. I was like, okay, that's what it is. So you have that. But in, in your world though, you're, you're inter- interacting with males, females all the time. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a, I, I, I would say that I'm a, a leader, a direct leader of 20 to 30 people, um, mm-hmm. depending on how you define that. Um, probably more honestly like it there's a chance that it's more in the 50 to 100 range but like i don't i don't really claim that (laughs) um but i I think there's a lot of people that i view me as uh a support okay this is good so some of the things that you that you pointed at so the who i am is this malleable thing and you know you pointed at your role here is in its own right like leadership and being able to bring forth really the best in others as I am kind of capturing it. And what I appreciate something that I've been focusing on lately is the importance of less with more intention. You said depth, right? Like I might not impact every single person or have this massive spread, but with the people that I do, it's going to be deep. And this is something that I appreciate and I'm taking to heart more recently because for a little while I had this, you know, I want to be like the Tony Robbins of youth. This was like a former thought because I was doing yeah. like coaching for youth at that point. I'm going to be the Tony Robbins of youth. And then when I really got to, it was just like, man, like that type of scale requires a particular lifestyle that isn't calling me. Like I require a depth, like I would much rather have a smaller 
group, uh, smaller, close-knit group of community that I can thrive in and be playful and, and really understand the intricacies versus knowing a million people with a, a certain shallowness because you only have so much time, energy, and resources. And I'm curious, what has that be so important for you? Because that's not by accident. Yeah, no, it's it's been a lot. Like, I think my my mission um, has been to innovate the education system. So like on a global scale, I'm looking at that as a hundred year kind of plan. Um, but I think the only way to reach that kind of scale is by going deep, is by taking the the steps one at a time. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm very like unhappy about the, the fact that we have to go online right now with our classes. Um, but the world is what it is and I have to adjust. Um, but we have so much more depth in person. And online, you can reach so many more people. And so that's like the business decision as to like, oh, you could scale quicker if you're online. I mean, to me, I'm not worried about scaling quicker. Like I'm worried about deeply affecting every single person that I'm interacting with. Um, And not only like me impacting them, but allowing them to impact me. Because I think it's a it's a give and a take. It's a it's a receiving like to define leadership because we didn't really go there yet. leadership is a word that I feel like is gets a lot of definitions that I don't necessarily agree with. Mm -hmm. Um, I think leadership is seen as like this commanding type of figure in a lot of ways. Um, to me, leadership is a relationship. Um, and leadership is not something that I possess. It's something that I collaborate on. Like I bring my leadership and I expect the other person to bring theirs. So it's not that I'm leading them. It's that we're both in leadership with each other. Um, and so like the way that I've been able to, to learn from my students has been like, I feel like I learned just as much as them as they learn from me because we're both able to lead simultaneously. Um, and I think that the, the best form of leadership is that collaborative leadership. Um, now you could have a leader of a mission, somebody who's like the decision maker, it's a different kind of, way we could talk about leadership. Um, and I've been, and I am in many seats of decision-making power. Um, and that comes with that power and that authority. And that is very accurate. Um, but I think it has to first come with the empathy piece. It has to first come with the, the people piece. Um, I think about like in a business management versus leadership. And I think both are important, but management is like the systems. It's like the goals. It's like the making sure the task gets finished. Leadership is watering the seed and the seed is the people. The seed is the community, the culture. Um, it's putting the, um, the people first. Um, and so that's been like everything that I do in divergent leadership and the businesses that I work with and the students that I work with is all about, um, this collaborative people first culture first mindset Um, And that kind of rebounds into the depth where when you hit people that deeply, when you create a culture that is something people haven't ever seen before and didn't even think was a reality, um, it expands, it grows, doesn't grow as quickly, but it, it grows more powerfully. It grows stronger because every single person is that deeply affected that they talk about it to other people on a deeper level. Like I'm sure Angela spoke on Divergent You on some level to you that made you curious. Um, I don't think that happens unless Angela is deeply affected. I don't think that happens unless our students, our facilitators, our staff, 
um, are deeply affected, they don't go out of their way to talk about it in a positive way. And so I think that's how the scale is ultimately reached. But like I said, it's a hundred year mission to me. I'm, I'm signed up for life to be providing access to education of the world that we live in now and the world that we're going to continue to live in in the future versus teaching people how to fit into the past and the history that um, exists. I think we're moving in a very different direction than where we've been. And so I'm trying, or I am um, at the forefront of that in a lot of ways and what we're doing. And it's not even there yet. Um, We're still in like the the seed stage. Uh, We're still just watering the seed, still watering the seed. And so that's kind of like where I'm at right now. Yeah. I hear a lot of, I don't hear it. I feel I've, I can like feel the patience in you because like, you, here's the thing, like the, the outward, if you look out into the world and you were to Google search just about anything, you'll be hit with a million ads. You go on Instagram, you're going to be hit with a million ads for all of the things in your local area that you just happened to whisper about and something happened to capture that analytic. And then somebody fed you an ad based off of what you were looking for. But there's, there's not a lot going on in the world that is, that is pointing a finger at and also addressing what is happening in education. Because as you said, our systems are based off of models that were created in the 1900s. And the past is a great source of wisdom. It's a great source of places. I mean, you go back even like, you know, Plato, Socrates, like Ralph Waldo Emerson, like you can name the infinite number of people of the past who were great light bringers, if you will, people who shed light, who brought this timeless wisdom that will ring through the the rest of time, right? Like people, you can look thousand years down the road, we'll still look back at Socrates and be like, yeah, that man was on some shit at his time. (laughs) And inside of that still, there's something to be said about the importance of acknowledging it, learning from it, but not having it be the thing that is guiding our current decisions. Mm -hmm. Because if I were to take the way that I did a relationship in the past that did not end up well, by the way, I'm not with the person anymore. And to use that same foundation of everything to use that in a new relationship, it won't work. Sure. There are things I can learn like, Oh, you know what? I probably really need to focus on communication or how could I have been? Go ahead. Yeah, no, that, that, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about the nine languages concept uh, the last time we spoke and I'm sure we'll probably get into it a little bit more, but one of the things on that concept is, um, like the the past neutral and the future neutral is history and strategy. And so if we get stuck in history, if we don't allow for new change, if we don't allow for new strategy, then we're halting progress. Um, so we have to be able to say, yeah, history is important, but we have to be willing to step into strategy and say, what can we do that's new? What can we do that's innovative? What can we do that's different? Um, and traditional education focuses on history. It focuses on what is, what is, has been there. Um, some of it's present, like present neutral truth. You could talk like science is, science is true. Um, there are, math is true. Um, but we don't do a lot of strategy. We don't teach a lot of creative problem solving. We don't teach people how to create something that's next. And in a world where everything moves so quickly um, and where things that happened 10 years ago even are expired. And I think the most important skill set is learning how to learn, learning how to create, <laughs> not how to learn what has been there, not how to like research a topic and Google something, how to 
create a strategic plan, attempt it, execute it, see if it works. If it doesn't, how do you adjust? And so that's what we are teaching our students is how to creatively problem solve, how to create the future. And not like on some macro scale, depends on their vision, depends on what they want to do. Um, you know, we have some students that are entrepreneurs. Uh, most of our students are entrepreneurs. They're trying to start businesses. More than half of our fall class went from not running their own business, working for somebody else to the end of the semester, running their own business and being a full-time entrepreneur. Um, and so we help people to take that step. But we've also worked with uh, one of our students from fall semester wants to be the president in 2036. Like that's her goal. And so I literally drove with her to Tallahassee and introduced her to uh, our house, uh, our state representative. And now she's working on her campaign. And so like things like that, where it's just, it's crazy. you have to attempt it. You have to try. You could say like, oh, this is my vision. How do I get there? You take the first step, you take the next step, you take the next step. And so that's not something you'd learn from history. That's something that you learn from making the attempt and trying it. And so what we're doing is not test taking. There's no like tests. There's no required assignments. It's all student driven, goal oriented. What do you want? How do we get there? But first, like I said in the beginning, putting people first, values are first. We don't sacrifice our values to reach our goals. We're not just here to achieve things. We're here to be the best versions of ourselves first. And in that, we're able to achieve what we want to achieve. Um, and I'm sure I could delve way deeper into all that, but that's kind of the where you what what you were saying made me think of. Yeah, and that's a, right there that last bit about basically remembering the greatness within us because I don't think it's something that we necessarily have to go and find. It's like somewhere out there I'm great. It's like no, somewhere in here you're great, Gosh. and and the values are really what pull forth this like essence, right? This, this ability to, to go out into the world and do something, whether it's on a small scale, large scale. I think one of the things that I personally struggled with was the belief that if I wasn't doing something big, then I wasn't good enough. And there was a, there was a collapse. If it's not big and it's not massive, then it's not good enough versus what I'm now taking on, which is small with depth, small with depth, small with depth. How do I, as you pointed out, like living from a place of values, living from that foundation, not chasing something externally and then dismissing everything internally in terms of that value system, whatever those core values are. There's a simple framework that we have in one of our classes where we talk about that concept. And it's basically like, are you trying to go from point A to point B where you're saying, I'm here and I got to get there. Happiness is there. Success is there. Best me is there. I'm trying to get from point A to point B. Rather than seeing it, that's that's external growth focus. You're focusing on, I need this thing outside of me to be where I want to be. Mm -hmm. The internal growth focus would be, how do I make A grow? How do I make A bigger? And so it goes back to what I said about watering the seed. You have everything that you need. Just start to water what you care about. And so like, don't worry about like, if you don't know what the end goal is, like, I think it's important to have goals. It's important to have direction. But if you don't know what that end goal is, what can you do? You can water the seeds of what's important to you now. If health is important to you, get that right. If, you know, and I think obviously our, our physical and mental health is a foundation of um, nearly everything that we do in our lives, yet we see it as an afterthought um, in most cases. We don't an see it An extracurricular like, maybe. Right. It's, it's my goals, my achievements, my this. And once I get there, then I'll worry about getting healthy. <laughs> I don't know if it, I don't know if, um, that's the best strategy. I've tried it. <laughs> I've attempted it. And I, I think to. it's, it's better to, to put self first. Um, I'm able to help so many more people when I put myself first, my health first. And, um, 
that is uh i don't know where i was going with all that but the point a to point b like growing instead of instead of aiming for point b you're focusing on a which is you which is now which is present and watering that and growing that um because that's all you ever have and it'll continue to grow and then you'll surpass where b is and you'll surpass where c is and you'll build a lot of things rather than tunnel focusing on one but i think both have value to them as strategies um i just think we we neglect a and put all our value in b a lot of times well, I mean, just as you pointed out, look at the education system, science, technology, E, which I can't remember, mathematics, mm-hmm. like in and of itself, engineering, every single one of those talks about something outside of ourselves. And again, not that that's not important, but how is it that simple health classes, simple psychology slash understanding your freaking brain classes, simple things about nutrition, money, how are those electives? And some of them aren't even electives, like thinking like at a high school level, how are we not teaching fundamental have, core things to what it is to be a human being? I have, I have theories on this. Oh, well, uh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Take I, I me think in. the, I don't have any like, well, I won't say I don't have any, I definitely have beef with the education system in some ways. Um, but Same. it's not, it's not like, um, you know, I've, I've toned back a little bit on that because I've talked to a lot of educators, um, and they've given me perspectives that I feel have opened me up to a little bit more of what the education system is offering. Um, I think what I see is a lot of it is people who've been through the system their whole lives, then go right back into the system to teach other people the system. And so we don't have nearly enough experts who've done the thing going back to teach it. That's a good point. And so a lot of it is teachers who were students who then became teachers. And that's most of our education system is people who've been in the system from student directly into teacher and then carried that forward. And so they, it's not, they're teaching something that they learned, but they haven't done anything outside of that. And that's no fault to theirs. Um, and I think that's something that I see as a, as a reason for, for why that is, um, you know, we've left money and health up to families to educate on. Um, and it's, it's straightforward. Like to me, my, my biggest problem with college education, cause that's where I focus my energy is on the, on the college level and on the, even I believe our courses offer transformation on an even higher level than that. Most of our students are in like the 20 to 35 range so it's varies quite a bit um but um i just think the speed in which we're learning and what we're learning and its application could be radically different and so divergent u is essentially three months our 12 limitations class is a three-month class versus a four-year class we've had multiple students say i learned a lot more in three months at divergent u than four years of college because we're not telling them what to learn where we're giving them a framework on how to overcome limitations on what they want to learn. And so it's like, we're basically creating the container for, you know, the limitations of time of money. How do you, how do you deal with the limitation of money? How do you solve that problem? How do you solve the limitation of time so that you no longer have to say, I don't have enough time. How do you solve the limitation of connections? I don't know the right people. How do you solve the limitation of health? Starting with simple basics. Growing A, not trying to get to B. Healthy is not over there. Health is here. How do I make health better? So like there's there's a lot that we go into. It's 33 workshops. It's 
you know, nine hours a week. So it's a, it's an investment of, uh, energy, but it's a significantly less investment than in college. And specifically for anybody who's an entrepreneur, it is, in my opinion, 10 times better than what you'll get at any college. And obviously I'm biased because I created it, but I'm taking the class <laughs> because I believe in it that much. And it's the community and it's the coaching and it's the 40 minutes a week you get one-on-one with the facilitator. Now I'm just pitching at this point, but, <laughs> but it's, I believe in it so much. Like I, I think it is the solution to so many of our problems in the education world. Um, and it's, it's complete now because I've been building it for a year. And now it's finally at the stage of like, I can stand behind this confidently and say, this is the best. And mm-hmm. that is, that's how I view it. Perfect. Can we discuss the 12 limitations? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me grab a, give me one second. I'm going to grab the workbook. Do it. Coming up next on the Fall of the Wolf podcast, Sam okay. takes us through the 12 limitations. And we are back. So this is our... <laughs> Ooh, this is like our that. workbook. Um, this is it's it's 208 pages. Um, this is our whole our whole class, and so there's 33 workshops in this that we okay. break down for our students. Um, but I'll go through like each limitation kind of briefly, and then if there's any that you want to really delve into, you let me know. Okay, perfect. Um, so we start with the limitation of belief beliefs. Do you believe it's possible? This is confidence. This is looking to the future and saying, can I achieve that? What can I achieve? How sure am I that I can achieve that? Am I sure I can't achieve more? Is there more I could do? And so we push the boundaries of what is possible. That is the very first beginning is like, okay, these are what we believe is possible, but are we sure? Can we push beyond that? Let's really break that down. Why is that not uh, achievable sooner? And what I've come to realize is pretty much everything is achievable. I haven't found something yet that somebody said that doesn't feel achievable. Um, when you really sit with it and you ask it questions, meaning like you ask the, the idea or the goal, the questions of like, can this be possible? Rather than saying no, if you say yes, it can definitely be possible. Next question is how? Okay, let's brainstorm it. So when we have a problem like that, where it's like, I don't know how this could happen, open it up to the room. You sit in a room with nine people and you say, how is this possible? Hmm. Someone's going to have an idea and it doesn't matter if it's me or if it's a classmate or if it's a, it doesn't matter. Someone will have an idea of where can we start with this? So like an example that we had in this semester, um, I was like, is, is there ever a time you can't? They're like, well, if you want to build a million dollar company in like a month, then that's probably impossible. And I was like, sure, maybe. But what if you had 27 people on your team? Does that make it more possible? If you had 27 people working to build a company in a month, mm, depends on what those 27 people are doing, right? So now we have to talk about what they could be doing. So, okay. So if we had the resources, then maybe we could do that. And it's like, well, how do you get the 27 people? Ooh, another question. How do we get 27 people? Let's talk about it. And so if that was your goal, I do believe you could build a plan to make it happen. I don't know. It goes back to why though. What's the purpose? What's the mm-hmm. value is it just because you want to make money or are you actually, is this a mission that you care about or a cause that you care about or something that you actually care about? Um, because what I've noticed is when people align what they do with what is important to them, they stay dedicated and disciplined to it and they actually achieve the results where the math may say, Oh, you're going to make more money doing X, Y, or Z. 
it doesn't really work that way because we aren't math. We are people. And so math does not inspire me. I'm inspired by mm-hmm. impact. I'm inspired by connection. I'm inspired by a lot of things, but I'm not inspired by math. <laughs> and so like, it's, it's cool to see a goal and see that you could make a lot of money doing something, but that's not necessarily what motivates us um, from what I've seen at the students I've worked with. Um, so belief is number one. Belief is, do I believe this is possible? And if not, let's push that and let's see how we can make it more possible. We'll, we'll take a student's goal. I know I'm sitting on this for a while, but we'll take a student's goal and 10 exit and say, okay, so you want to make a thousand dollars a month doing what you doing, what you're trying to do with this podcast was an example of one of our students in our first semester. Um, he, he was trying to do podcasting, help people start podcasts. And he was like, well, I need to, I want to make a thousand dollars a month. I said, okay, why not 10? I don't even know how to do that. Well, let's talk about it. How much do you charge? Well, it's, it's three fifty. Okay. So how many clients do you need to make a thousand three? Okay. So how many do you need to make 10,000 30? Do you think it's possible to get 30 clients? Yeah. Okay. So that's 10,000. Okay. And so it's like, when you think about that, you can start to then change your aim, but it's totally based on what do you believe is possible? And a lot of times we start with what's available to me versus what is outside. Um, It's the scarcity versus abundance mindset, which is another thing we delve into around. Do I look at what I have and figure out how to best distribute it? Or do I look past what I have and figure out how to get it? And so that's like a big uh, unlock for a lot of students. We do a really cool exercise on that one. Um, But any thoughts on belief before I move past that? Okay, so the 10X, that's all inside of belief or is that step two? Um, That's part of belief. So 10X is inside of belief. So it's taking whatever idea that you have and then saying, okay, cool, this is great. How can we 10X that? And then it's basically getting them to, it would seem, and I could be wrong in this, but it's like getting them to the edge of where they believe it's possible and then saying, okay, cool. Now, how can we go outside of ourselves and look around us and see what resources are available to to achieve that? So as you pointed out, getting 27 people, you know, on your own, probably not that it would be impossible, but you might go loony trying to figure it out. But if you have those people, now that becomes a possibility. But fundamentally, at the core of it, you are pointing at the importance of belief. Because whether you know he who says he can and he who says he can, he who says he can are both right. usually right. Like Henry Ford's quote, and it's it's true. Because if we don't believe that it's possible before we begin, we're not going to start, or we're not going to continue to do the work. Which you also point out the importance of having a strong why, which we've already pointed at biologically. That the part of the brain that's associated with with action and behavior is correlated with the part of the brain that connects the why. Why am I actually doing what I'm doing? Is it for the money or is it for the impact? So this is great. I, I think I'm following well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so once you have the belief that it's possible, then the question is, well, what is stopping me? And that's the other 11 limitations that could be stopping you, right? And so now we, okay, we believe it's possible, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. We've got to go through a few other, quite a few other steps to make it happen. So the second limitation is rules, the limitation of rules. What do the rules say? What does the government say? What are you allowed to do? And if we are working as an as a employee rather than an entrepreneur, then you have to worry about the rules of the company, rules of the business. What am I allowed to do in this role? what is not allowed in this role. There's a lot more rules you have to abide by. Um, if you're operating in as an entrepreneur, then you get to set a lot of those rules. And so what we talk about in rules is really understanding 
the overarching rules of how you can get paid. Meaning you can work for three different organizations. You can work for the government, you can work for a nonprofit, or you can work for a business. You can work for one of those three, or you can start one of those three. What I always say to my students, I don't recommend starting a government, but if that's the route you want to take, I will support you. <laughs> but um, you can you can start a nonprofit, you can start a for-profit business, or you can work for one of those entities. So it's very important to understand how those are structured because you're going to get paid from one of those organizations either way. So if you don't understand how they work, then you're going to be at a disadvantage um, and you're not really going to know your your real role. So whether that is as an employee or as an entrepreneur, we delve into like, what is the overall structure of a company look like? What are the different branches of that? And we do it on a, a macro scale first of like, this is, you know, these are like the 14 key roles of any company. And then we pull it back in and say, this is how to start. If you're starting out or if you're in that early stage, here's like the three things you really need to think about and the three different ways that you can start your own business. Very, um, logically so that you understand like, okay, I can take this route, this route, or this route, which one resonates the most with me, which one resonates the most with my idea, because there's not a right way, there is your way. Um, and so that's, again, divergent you. It's not saying this is how you have to do it. This is saying, here's all of your options. What do you, what do you like? What resonates with you? Um, so that is, that is rules. That's the second limitation. So belief, rules, understanding the the name of the game, right? You've chosen a game. You've <laughs> identified whether or not you believe you can. Now it's knowing the parameters. What can I and can I not do? Exactly. Okay, cool. And then culture. Culture is number three. Culture is the community around us, the voices around us. What are people, what are people around us doing? What are people around us saying? What are people around us telling us we should do or shouldn't do? Um, are they, do they believe in us? Cause I may believe in myself, but if everyone around me is saying that's a bad idea, don't do that. Then that could definitely prevent me from doing it. Am I worried about the judgment of others? Am I worried about the perspective that others have on what I do? That can hold me back. If I'm not, mm -hmm. if I'm worried about, Oh, if I fail, then they're going to judge me. Um, rather than immersing yourself in a community that supports you. And that's really what diverging you is. It's a culture of a small class of nine people that is there and not that's the one class, but then the overarching, you know, community that we have two of graduates and alumni and other classes, but having a community that is saying yes to every single idea you have. Yes, go for it. We're going to support you hundred percent. Yes, go for it. We're going to support you hundred percent. And so in that week, um, when we talk about culture, it's really about like, how do you find, how do you create, how do you change? How do you leave? How do you, how do you pick a culture that makes sense for you? Um, and that's a hard, that's a hard step because a lot of times you may be in a culture or a community that is not serving you. And you know, the encouragement there is maybe that's a conversation of, Hey, this isn't working for me. And is there any way we can shift the, the, this dynamic? Because right now I don't feel supported. And that's the first conversation. If the answer to that is consistently no, then you have to make a decision. Am I going to stay in this community and accept it? Or am I going to leave? Or mm -hmm. maybe I can stay in it and join others to still feel that support. But I love this person and I don't want to walk away. But I want to be a part of others that support me as well. And so like, that's where, you know, we start to have more difficult conversations. But that's before we even get to like the limitation of money or time, like we got to really look at the community around you the culture around you, because if they're telling you don't do this, it doesn't matter if you know how, 
it doesn't matter if you have the resources because you're not being supported as a person. And so that is like, that's why those are the, the first three. You have to believe it's possible. You have to understand the rules of the game and you have to be supported by a community. You don't have to, but when you're supported by a community that is empowering and lifting you up, it absolutely changes the way you approach your ideas. Um, of everything that we do at Divergent U, I think that is the number one asset is our culture, is our community, because we do not allow judgment in the space and it gets vulnerable at times um, where, you know, everybody's allowed to share what they feel. And if anybody's judging others, we'll, we'll kick them out. Like I'm not, and that hasn't happened because I think we attract the people that want to be in that type of space. Um, yeah. But I'll defend that over everything else. Culture is first. Um, and that's not the math, right? That's not the business system. That is the people. That is the culture. Um, so it just reflects to everything we've been talking about, about that is the most important. But being in an incubator of people that believe in you, that encourage you, that support you, that give you resources, that give you connections, it, it opens so many doors um, to believing in yourself, to having confidence in yourself and to actually being able to execute on it. Um, mm. so that's the, that's the third one. Okay. So now we have belief, uh -huh. we have rules of the game, and now we have our community, which you, it's great. You pointed out the importance of protecting your space because that really points at your values, right? It's if this environment, if the situation, be it a job, whatever it is, that environment doesn't support me. You have to ask those tough questions because the way I imagine it, it's, it's either going to anchor you and, and hold you back mm -hmm. or you're going to cut those ties and do it alone. Or what I'm hearing is the third option, which is you, you surround yourself with people who are going to push you up. And that to me is it's like together we stand united, we thrive. And there's always going to be more to go around when there's more people. And there's this interesting thing you said earlier about like scarcity versus abundant mindset that on my own, I may not have it. However, when I go to community, I might say, I have this idea. I, I don't know what it's going to take, but someone drops an idea and then idea, that idea leads to an, you know, someone else being like, oh yeah, actually I have something to contribute to that. Next thing you know, you have everything that you need because you've decided to put yourself in an environment where people hear you they're for you and all they want for you is for you to win. And to me, yeah. I'm with you. I'm, I'm very clear that I've tried to do most of my journey by myself. Cause that's what I thought I had to do. And, uh, that the old age old wisdom of that it's lonely at the top. I think it's only lonely at the top if we don't decide to surround ourselves with the right people on the way up. And right. I don't want to be one of those people. Sure. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. And it's, um, I mean, as you can see already, like we're only three limitations in and this is dense. Like there is a lot to this um, and it's different than what you'd see in a, a traditional education. We're looking at like, we're looking at rather than starting, we're like, we're looking at the boundaries. Like what is the very end of what is possible? And let's push that further. And that allows us to expand in all directions. But we have to see like what are, what the 12 limitations do is it gives you a, a identification what is holding me back? Which of these 12 is stopping me? Or how many of these 12 are stopping me? Um, number four, clarity. Limitation of clarity. Do you know what you want? Do you know who you are? You can believe that you can achieve what you want. You can have the rules. You can have the community. But if you don't know what you want, 
if you're unclear about that, if you're unclear of where you're going or who you are, then it's very hard to make any progress because you'll tend to just drift. You know, you'll go one way and then you'll go the other way, but you don't have any consistency of, of clarity. Um, and so we talk about like, what's some, what are some frameworks on how to find that clarity? That really goes back to the divergent learning model that we created, which is basically starting with your values, then looking at your goals and then creating your process. And so when the question is, what should I do? Well, do is process. Do is not values or goals. So let's let's go backwards. What should I do is a process, the attempt. What you should do is going to align with your values. So before we ask what you should do, we should say, who are you? What are your values? What's important to you? What matters to you? Um, the only test we give our students is called a pulse test, um, which is something we created last year. Um, and that's <laughs> sure basically, <they're> alive. <laughs> it's basically like a pulse of their values, how they're doing with themselves. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is, um, they choose the words. We say, how do you want to be? How do you want to feel? How do you want to operate? And words that come out of that are adjectives, things like, I want to feel happy. I want to be active. I want to be patient. When I laughed and you said, you could see my patience because that's one of the words that I've always consistently put down. Like I want to be patient and I struggle with, um, yet I, you know, it's just so that you acknowledge that it's like, Ooh, I'm, I'm getting better at patience. Good, good. Somebody else sees it. Um, but they pick their words. So it's, you know, 10, 20 words of how do you want to be? And then we have them rate themselves on a scale of one to 10. Where are you at in that word right now? And so this is starting with the, the values. So if I want to be free, if I want to be happy, and I rate myself at a five, the question is then, well, what's holding that back from being higher? Hmm. Let's deal with that first. Before we talk about what you should do, let's talk about that. Hmm. Um, and that's a process. And so what we've seen consistently um, in the data is our students come in with their pulse test at an average. It's different for every student. I don't know the exact numbers right now because we're finishing up a new semester, but it's about a two-point increase on average for students um, overall. So they, if their average is a 6.5, by the end of the class, their average is an 8.5. They're going from um, specifically like one to look at is confidence. We had students in one of our semesters go from an average of a 4.8 in confidence to an 8.8 on average increase um, by the end of the semester. And so what I've realized is by putting consistent focus into your values, it makes them more clear and it forces you to really think about them consistently every week you're sitting with a one-on-one instructor because not just it's not just the workshops it's um the coaching and you're sitting with a a person who's saying how are you doing with your values week after week after week you're just by measuring it you are forced to think about it consistently and so that's values first then we set our goals so you know who you are what do you want once you know what you want then you can figure out what you should do Because then you can say, this is who I am. This is what I want. How do I get there? Well, we're going to create that process. It's divergent. There's not a right process. Don't try to find the right. We're going to create a way or we're going to find a way, but there's not a right way. There's never a right way to do almost anything in this life. Everything that we attempt, um, there is unique and creative solutions to do that. So, um, yeah, there's no right way. There's only right for you. Exactly. And so it's cool to see throughout the semester that that truth becomes more and more evident because everyone is doing something so different that you're just like, wow, like I'm so unique. And so <laughs> it, it gets emotional towards the end. Cause like we just had our last class. So like it's, 
uh, we, we end with like everybody talking about what they learned from each other. Um, and it's so empowering. It's so inspiring because there's always some incredible things that come out of that, and usually tears. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, it's powerful, but yeah, number four is clarity. Mm. So just real quick, just to reiterate, that's a three month course. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, I can't help but pull attention to the fact that you as in your own right, you know, a, a facilitator, a teacher, a mentor, that you have such an emotional passion for this. Because if, if I think just every single college course I've ever taken, barring a couple of professors here and there, minus a few professors here and there, I'll never think twice about the professors as somebody that I, you know, I, I would, I would like really want to stay connected to not because they're bad people or anything wrong. It's just like that type of emotional connection wasn't there. It was just, here's the coursework. Here's what you're going to do, pass or fail. And when I was in college, I didn't have some of the brighter ideas that I had now around how I really could have used the people in my class to like alleviate some of like the stress and, and overthinking that I did all on my own. God, I wish I had known that when I was in college. But the fact that you have a group of people that would not surprise me if the majority of them knew each other by name. Oh, that, it's not even like it's it's not even like that. That's like they know each other by name by week two. <laughs> it's like they they know each other like real for real like we go every single one of the students in my monday wednesday friday night class has had conversations one-on-one with each other outside of class every single one of them um and like we have a group chat and like you know one of them just landed a job which was her her goal for the semester and she got two job offers on the last day of class which is wild um but yeah but we all are like you know going in on the group chat of like yeah great job and like it's it's lifelong bonds. Like it's not just like knowing people by name because it's only a class of nine students. So you're sitting in these workshops and the way it works is we start with a question. It's not, we, we, everything's questions. So we start with like the first class, the question is, what do you believe about goals? Pretty straightforward, interesting question. Everybody has a different perspective and you're like, wait a minute, that's interesting. Um, and so we start with a question and then we get everyone's answer to it. And then we go into a framework and we go into a discussion. And so like every class you're hearing like my voice or the facilitator's voice, whether it's me or Angela or whoever is only, you know, 20% of the conversation. Most of it's the students, most of it's the, the people in the class that are discussing it. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of it, like you're going to, you're in breakout sessions one-on-one where you're talking to people, you're in breakout sessions with groups of three and you're meeting three times a week. So you be, it becomes pretty intimate pretty quickly because you know everybody, you know their goals, you know what they're trying to do, you know who they are, um, and you build lifelong bonds. And it, it's interesting to see how it translates even in classes that people weren't in your class. Like the crossover is like someone from our fall class is now collaborating with someone from our spring class. And like there's just all these like loops where everybody seems to know everybody. <laughs> and it's it's wild how, how that's... Um, it's so inspiring to me to see like how they're still working together, even after they've graduated. Um, like, I'm just like, I'm so proud of all of you. So it's really cool to see. That's amazing. And it's that to me, it, there is this conscious and unconscious movement towards our tribal nature. I mean, in our very core where we are tribal in nature and like, that's what's happening now is you're seeing these tribes, right? Different semesters now are connecting and they're saying, Oh, like I can support you or you can support me. And you, you realize how, how good it feels to be able to give somebody or provide something to somebody that then has them go and do something that 
produces some kind of result that elates them, right? Like if I do something for you or vice versa, you do something for me and then there's some tangible result. And then I come back to you like, dude, thank you so much for what you shared with me on, you know, that, you know, Wednesday night in that class. Like I just went, I landed that job and this is a job I've been dying to get. And now like, I'm going to be able to like go and move into this apart. Like that feels amazing. And again, like I can't help but point out, like you think about, I think about any college course I've ever taken, there might be a handful of people that I actually connected with and even fewer that I stayed in connection with. Like I really, I connected more with some of the professors than I did with some of the students. That's really my own fault because it wasn't encouraged. Like nowhere in the curriculum they say, Hey, by the way, leverage your, you know, leverage your class and maybe create study groups, set up a WhatsApp. It's so funny. When I go to talk to college students now, I, um, I will tell them, I was like, how much money does that class cost? Okay. So for you to get the value out of that, you need to be connecting to every person in that room. Think about this. Your value is not in the letter grade that you're going to get. That's not going to pay for the $1,200 or $2,300 class that you're paying, whatever it is, right? The cost of that class is not going to be covered by the test you take. Absolutely if you really not. want to get the value out of that, the only way to do that is to talk to the people next to you and to really get close with your professor. And I say, and I literally will stand up in front of a class and say, if you're not going to do that, I recommend you drop out because you're not going to get the value. Like I don't, I personally, my recommendation is I don't believe that it's worth the value that you're paying for it if you're not doing that. So mm-hmm. if you want to stay here, it's, it is valuable if you use the resources that are available to you. But if you're just sitting back and you're not paying attention and you're not connecting with anybody and you're in your bubble, just learn online. You don't need to be here. Mm-hmm. So um, that usually shakes them a little bit because they don't expect speakers to tell them to drop out. <laughs> well, you have to, because if you can't, if you can't rattle their automatic conditioning that's running in their brain, cause it is just conditioning. Like this is not something that they've gotten another, to choose. Another big one that I say that I feel like hits a lot of people yeah. is you're hiring your professors it is not the other way around myself so, as yeah. the president of divergent you I'm being hired by my students. It is my job to help them It is not the other way around. It's not mm-hmm. their job to impress me. It's my job to impress them. And so what I tell students is like, look, you are paying your professor's paycheck. You are hiring them to lead you to where you want to go. If you trust them in that, then continue to pay them. I'm going to apply for that job to say, I want to be in in that leadership seat because I believe that I've created something that will help you get there better than what exists. But you have the decision-making power over that. You decide where do you want to channel your, your money to put, what do you, do you believe that that person's going to get you to where you want to go? And remember, you are paying their paycheck, not the other way around. Like you are hiring them. So if they're not working for you in the way that is serving you, then I would look for other options. And I believe that our option is much more empowering and better, especially for entrepreneurs. Um, For students that are trying to land, you know, trying to be a doctor or a lawyer, then like, I don't think I can help with that personally. Um, But for students who are wanting to work in a small business or start a small business, I think there's no better option. Hmm. Okay. So now we believe. Yes. We have rules for the game. We have our community. We have our culture. And now we are getting clarity around where it is that we want to go. Yes. And so number five, um, number five is motivation. Are we motivated? So we know what we want. We believe we can do it. We've got the culture to support us. We've got, we understand the rules. Are we motivated? How are we motivated? And so we'll look at like what motivates you. 
And for a lot of people, it is negative things. Hmm. I'm motivated by stress. I'm motivated by fear and I'm motivated by pain. And if I am consistently motivated by stress, fear, and pain, and that's the only way I get motivation, then I won't act until I'm in stress, fear, or pain. And so I am calling stress, fear, and pain into my life because those three things are the things that are motivating me. If I'm motiv- if I only get motivated when I'm extremely stressed, oh man, I really got to hit this deadline. Okay, let's do it. Then I won't act until it gets to the point of stress. Yeesh, yeah. And so how do we shift our motivation from pain, stress, and fear? Well, those are fine motivators that we don't want to just be motivated by that. I think Mm -hmm. it's fair to be motivated by those things. But how do we get motivated by faith, by joy, and by gratitude? Because if gratitude can motivate us, if joy can motivate us, if faith can motivate us, how are we stoppable? Because we can generate those ourselves by putting ourselves in environments or by um, doing activities that. empower us. Um, and so even if we don't have the faith, even if we don't have the joy, even if we don't have the gratitude, we can immerse ourselves in communities or be around people who do, which then lift us up to be in that space. And so it's learning, how do I get motivated by the joy? How do I get motivated by the gratitude? Um, and learning the strategies around that, because if we're only motivated by those negative things, then it won't matter what you're doing. You're, you're going to constantly fall back down to then stress, fear, pain. All right, now I'm motivated again. Oh, now I'm motivated again. But if you're motivated by this, it just rises. Um, so that's kind of what we talk about in, in uh, motivation. I like that. Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about the importance of a choice. We're either going to make change in a state of empowerment or disempowerment in a state of joy of, of, like you said, joy, gratitude of appreciation, or we're going to do it from a state of stress and, and depression and anxiety. And either one you choose, you are in essence, neurologically training yourself to say, Oh, I can only get shit done when the test, the, the, the cumulative exam is tomorrow. And I have studied absolutely nothing. All right, well, I guess I'm pulling an all-nighter with a bunch of Red Bulls and, right. you know, <laughs> whatever else you need in order to get yourself to the to the preferred state of mind, if you will, to manage that versus, you know, as one should, like pacing it out over a period of time, like saying, okay, if it's going to take me 10 hours to prepare for this and I have 10 days, oh, it's only an hour a day. Why would I do all of that the day before? And then you get to do it from a state of, like you said, more of an empowerment. Okay. So motivation and really being able to do it from a space of motivation. Yeah. And then number six is, is knowledge. You have to know how, how do I do it? How do I get there? If I don't know how to do it, a lot of us, when we say, well, I don't know, then we just stop. What do you do when you reach the, I don't know statement? Do you say, okay, I quit. I don't know. Or do you say, I don't know. I'm going to figure out because we live in a world now where figuring out is pretty easy. Um, when you don't know how to do something, you can YouTube it, you can Google it, you can ask people. And so the asking people is the part that we spend a little bit more time on because the other two are pretty simple. Um, but asking people for help is a challenge for a lot of people. How do you ask for support? Because a lot of us don't feel like we deserve support. A lot of us feel guilty asking for help. We feel like I'm not strong if I ask for help. I think asking for help is a leadership quality. I couldn't possibly be where I was alone. I couldn't possibly get to what I'm doing without such an amazing community. This 
this workbook. It doesn't just have my name on it. This has Serena's name on it because she was the one who created the workbook. Like I created the curriculum, but she created this book. This book is a product of her. The the fact that I can be more hands-off is now a product of the fact that Angela is a facilitator. Jess runs the business aspect. So like she's the person who's running the numbers, making sure that we're staying on. Like none of that's possible if I don't ask for support. And yeah, I provide something in return. It's an exchange, mm-hmm. but I have to be willing to accept help in order for me to, to grow. And so we talk about within the limitation of knowledge specifically, you may not know everything, but somebody does. Somebody knows what you, you need to know. And so you can either search it or you can ask. One of the exercises we do, we have our students post on their social media to say, hey, I could use some support in this new project. This is what I'm doing and this is what I need. Does anybody know anyone that could help in that? And without fail, every single time they get feedback, usually they get exactly what they ask for. Hmm. And it's wild to see how much that happens just by saying, hey, I could use some support right now. Because most of us don't do that. We don't say, hey, I could use support. Put a hand up and say, I could use help. When we do, we get that support. And so, and maybe not all the time, but it happens pretty quickly most of the time. So Hmm. I think that's a skill that is worth developing as well. Okay. So developing the knowledge, really Mm -hmm. the, the how it is that we are going to get where it is that we've pointed a finger to. Mm -hmm. And again, you point at, and I think that this is just, this is just one of those things that we're going to have to really just be like, yeah, clearly this is a foundation for everything is the importance of being able to leverage the resources around you. Because just like you pointed out, the second that you throw up a hand, that's when new possibilities become available because my mind is, you know, we, I think it said that about nine, no, 60 to 70% of all of our thoughts are the same as the day before. And that we really only have, mm-hmm, we, we only have, a, and, and a lot of those are actually negative. Most of them are negative. And those all have an effect on us in a, in a physiological level. But when you think about it, as soon as you get to another person, there is something that happens inside of somebody when you come to them and say i could really use your help because all of a sudden they might be going through some shit but as soon as you say i could really use you they will become a superhero for you mm-hmm. they they're like you'll like blink and they're wearing a cape you're like whoa what where did where did superman come from like where did, where did wonder woman come from like it's just like that and they're just just generating these ideas that can give us what we need in terms of uh, an opportunity, but it starts with having the, the how and the how doesn't have to come from us. And that I think is great that you're pointing at the how it can happen. doesn't necessarily have to come from us. It could come from you. It could come from one of the other eight members in the class. Right. That's great. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's definitely uh, a huge asset. It's just being able to ask, being able to see, and it's so interesting. We, we can't solve a problem. We're like, ah, I can't figure this out. Ask somebody else. We have so much pride and like, I have to be the one to figure it out versus anybody else could help me with this, but I'm not asking because I'm either, I feel guilty getting support or I have too much pride to ask. And so like, how do we work through those? Because again, this isn't just like how to build a business, you know, like this is like, really, how do I deal with the, the reality that I'm in and empower myself to become unlimited? And it's the hard work. Like we're not doing like the, the easy, like, oh, here's a test study for the test, memorize. No, this is hard work. This is like, you got to deal with the personal things. Like, ugh, what is my community? Do I assessing that? You know, like all of those, what am I motivated by? Like really challenging your own thoughts um, and your own way of 
operating. And we put it in such a simple framework that makes it very digestible. So it's not intimidating. It's like, it's really easy. You just have to take the steps. It's a long process. It's not, it's not, um, it's not easy. Um, it's simple, but it's not easy. So mm-hmm. we make it very, very simple, but it is still challenging. And it's just consistently showing up. If you just consistently show up, I always tell people, we do things very fast, very slow. So we're in three months going to get a lot done. But every single day will be seem kind of slow. They'll be like, okay, interesting. Okay, you won't notice the progress until you get to the end. And then you'll be like, oh my gosh, wow, I grew a lot. But throughout, it's just like this slow transformation that happens piece by piece. And then by the end of it, you're like, oh my goodness. Um, but that's the first, that's the first six limitations. And that's very like, that is our first four weeks of class. Um, not every limitation has the same amount of time because some of them are not as don't need as much on them. Um, but the first four weeks of class is those six limitations. And that's like really the foundation of the class. Um, there's really three phases to the class. That's like phase one. The Mm -hmm. second is strategy phase. And so this is like, all right, now we know who we are. We know what our goals are. We know where we're going. We know the rules. We can be motivated. We understand how to learn. Now let's, let's get some strategy into this. And so that's where we address the limitations of time, of connections, and money, um, those, which are the three that most people point to first. I, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough connections. Um, but that starts from before. It starts with really looking at those other things first. Um, and so limitation of time, like we look at, uh, and one of the, the exercises that a lot of our students have found powerful is, uh, it's called time setting, which is where we are putting a, a timeline of hundred years, 30 years, 10 years, three years, one year, one quarter, one month, one week, one day, and reverse engineering that to reach a goal. So the exercise we do in class is, okay, you have a three-year goal. It's got to be something ridiculous and radical. And you have to come up with a three-year strategic plan, breaking down three-year, breaking down each year, and then breaking down from year one, each quarter, and then breaking down from quarter one, each month, and then breaking down from month one, each week. And so it gives you this boom, big lens to like bring it really small. And like, it's not perfect, but they're able to do it in 20 minutes. And they realize, wow, I just built a three-year plan for something that is ridiculous in 20 minutes. (laughs) And it probably doesn't seem that ridiculous once they've done that. Exactly. And then we have them do it for themselves. So it's like a a hypothetical exercise. And then the assignment in our workbook is now do that for you. Um, And so like that approach to time. But then we also talk about the, the philosophical thoughts of time. Do you feel like your time is running out or do you feel like your time is adding up? Do you feel like I'm, I have less and less time and I'm, I'm about, I'm, I'm running out of time or do I feel like every minute, every hour, every day is extra credit and I can use it to however I want to use it. There's nothing I need to do at this time. I can spend it how I want to spend it. This time is for me. This time is given to me for a reason. Am I using it to pay it back or am I using it to pay it forward? Like, what am I going to do with my time? And so I think a lot of us are looking at time as running out and I see time as adding up. And I don't think there's a right answer to that, but to have the conversation is always interesting. Um, so time gets kind of, um, and then we talk about how to create unlimited time. How do you make it so you never have to say, I don't have enough time. What are the strategies for that? And it, it's, it seems pretty 
Like when you first think that you're like, that's impossible, but it's not. I, my business works 200 hours a week. I don't work 200 hours a week, but my time that I oversee does because I have people on my team. I can delegate. I can automate. I can quit the things that aren't serving me. I can reprioritize. And so what matters to me, I'll always be able to do because it's my top priority. And so if it's not something I'm able to do, then I can delegate it. I can give it to somebody else. How do we do that? We got to have the money. So that's another limitation. But we can create unlimited time if we have the resources to do so. It is achievable to do that. There are plenty of people who have oversee millions of hours of time um, to get things done. And you know that is, that is an achievable thing that we can accomplish if we attempt it. Um, but we have to believe that that can happen. Um, so that's time and there's quite a bit to it, but yeah. Okay. So that's, that's seven is technically that seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have time, money, people. So we now know at this point, so we've gone through, we've gone through seven steps. So now the next step is it, is it people or is it money? Connections. Yeah. Connections is the, okay. And that's two weeks. So we have a marketing week and we have a sales week. So we have a week on like building the relationships. This is like, how do I get to the person? whether that is the employer, whether that is the client, whether that is the partner, how do I reach the person? Mm-hmm. And then how do I build a brand? How do I build a community? And how do I create consistent content? How do I create authentic content? Um, so we talk about like all of that that goes into marketing and actually building a business um, from a marketing standpoint. And then the sales week, which is still part of the connections, is like how do you... The difference between marketing sales, marketing is generating the relationship sales is closing that into a transaction Mm -hmm. so we talk about divergent sales versus convergent sales uh convergent sales is you're trying to get to one point you're trying to get to the close that is the goal of sales is to close the sale that is a convergent sales method you're everything is funneling towards this point of close divergent selling is the opposite it is we're starting with a relationship and we are expanding outward and we are growing, we are watering the seed yet again. We're building that relationship. So my goal with the person I'm talking to isn't to close a sale. My goal is to support that person any way that I can, whether my resources weren't for them or somebody else I know's resources weren't for them. But if I'm a support to them and I help them expand and I expand my relationship with that person, that's only going to lead to good things. If I try to push them into a, a sale that's not right for them, that's going to hurt the relationship. They're going to walk away. And even if they don't become a client using the divergent method, even if I don't close the sale, um, I still have that relationship and they may know someone who's a good fit for what I offer. If I give them good advice or give input for what they need, they may do the same for me. And that relationship maintains. And the longer that relationship maintains, the more that it brings to you. So having a relationship for one year versus 10 years versus 20 years it doesn't matter if we're so focused on the, every single conversation and like having the most, again, it goes back to the depth. The building that relationship allows us to expand versus try to close. And so that's one thing we talk about in sales. And then we also do like practice selling. So we do like mock um, role play where we have people pitch each other using like a sales script over objections. Like what are all the objections and how do we overcome those? Um, and when should we not overcome those? When should we say, okay, this is actually not something they need. Okay. I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to push them to something that they do need. Um, 
So that's our whole connections is both marketing and sales, which we spent really two weeks diving into the details on. And that applies to really entrepreneurs in a lot of ways. Um, but it also applies to if you're trying to land a job, like mm -hmm. to understand how do you connect with the right person and how do you sell yourself? Um, how do you build a relationship to sell yourself? So it's not just a, an entrepreneurship, um, but it is heavily focused on entrepreneurship. Although yeah. the principles have been applied to like, we had a student who landed a job, went from a 7% response rate on job applications to over 75 um, and literally landed a job the day after he graduated and moved across the country. So he um, using that method of using that relationship building rather than uh, not going online and applying for a job, but reaching out to people on LinkedIn and other places and building relationships and then getting a job from that. Um, so again, it's, it's about connections. It's about who you know. The beauty is we can actually control who we know now because we have the internet. We can connect with virtually anyone. Mm. So it's a, goes pretty pretty detailed on that okay so at this point now they've they've been able to you the sales and marketing happens inside the connection like if you look at connection as the topic which is step number eight i believe right at this point inside of that yes. is the marketing and sales of it and, yes. and going through those modules okay but ultimately it's being able to develop those relationships as you said because it's it's not about a bunch with shallowness it's about how can i really be so over there with the person that i can get them what they need even if it's not with yeah, me i would say like how how quickly can you get to a hundred people that really support you that you could call anytime and be like hey i could use some support that will answer how, how quickly can you get to 100? If you can get to 100 people that are in your corner, like really in your corner, it's really difficult to not achieve what you want to achieve, even at 100 people. And that's not that many. Um, it sounds like a lot if, you have, if you're at 5 or 10, but you can build those relationships day after day after day, and eventually you get there. Um, so I think when, when, once you have that kind of network, I don't like the word network because it's, it's surface level most of the time. Um, I like the word community. Um, when you have that kind of community, hmm. uh, you're very uh, supported. And the difference to to go back to the culture versus connections, because some people have gotten, well, what's the difference there? Why is connections limitation and culture limitation? Um, connections is like the who you know, right? That is like the the skill sets around you um, and what they can potentially pay you or hire you or all of those things. The culture is like the voices. It's like the you should do this. You should do that. You shouldn't do that. It's the, the energy, um, the emotions. It's the, um, that's on the culture side where the connections is like the transactions a little bit more, but you can still create a community from both spaces, but there's a little bit of a difference in what those, what those are and how to utilize them. Sounds more of like you're at home versus out in the world. Yeah. And although it can, there can kind of be like a middle ground when you kind of like, cause it's, if I imagine if it's like your world, there's the outside world and there's like, like this home world, the home world can be the culture can be like filtering into it, but yes. you could in theory have people from your home world come into this community, your world. And you could also have people in the outer world, the people you develop those relationships with in your community coming into your space as well. Like those ways you point out those hundred people, those might be considered kind of like in your space. Uh, like people like Angela and the other people that you work with, like they were at some point in your outside world. Now they're like in your space. They're part of your, your hub. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's connections. Um, and then nine is money. How do we, how do we build systems that make money, which is a business? How do we build a system? How do we build a profitable system? What are the, what are the variables to building a profitable system? What should I, what are the things I should be thinking about when building a business to make it sustainable? Um, what I've been able to do is start from when I was 18 years old, I started my first business, um, Hoop Brothers. I haven't worked for anyone since then. That was, that's been my full time living since I was 18. Um, and I started off as a side hustle, you know, it was something I was doing on the side. I made like $2,000 the first year. Next year I made like $20,000. Then I made like $75,000. Then I made over $150,000. I made $250,000. And so the way I was able to do that is by understanding the system of money, learning it as I went, it took me eight years to build a system that made money without me. Because now I don't do anything with Hoop Brothers. I mean, I've had to because coronavirus, I had to step in and fix and adjust a lot of things, but now it's back stable. So I'm not in a position where I'm hands off. Business runs itself. I have managers that run it. And that's what allowed me to start diverging you was building that system. And so how do you create a system that makes money? that's profitable and it, you got to put the right people. You've got to be able to trust the right people. You've got to, there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, but what are the things you should pay attention to? What are the things like, what are the details that matter when it comes to building that system? Um, so that's something that I've obviously been able to do for myself, but also I've helped, you know, 50, 60 other people do at this point. Um, so it's, it's not me necessarily that's able to do that. It's the frameworks I've built that are able to do that. And so not only have I had the success, Angela's now had the success as a facilitator. Um, and that was my biggest goal for this semester was I've been teaching all these classes. Is it me or can I make this scalable beyond myself? Can I build a system that creates this? And that's what the 12 limitations is. It's, it's a piece of me that I was like, okay, here we go. Let's put it outside of me. And now we have other people facilitating it and they're getting even better results than me <laughs> because I'm the creator. <laughs> I'm the creator. <laughs> but, but honestly, like, I think I'm not the best coach. Um, I think Angela's a better coach than me. And I told her that recently in our, in like our last couple of classes is like, I've learned from her as a facilitator and what she's been doing. Um, because I'm taking her class as a student. Cause while I've written all these frameworks and all this sounds like, Oh, I know all this information curriculum is not the value to me. The value is the community and the opportunity to reflect on myself. And so I spent this semester as a student going through this class that I created and answering the questions that we ask, the questions of like, what do you believe about goals? What is important to you? What are your values? Like I was before this semester, I was putting my work before myself. I was putting myself on a pedestal and saying like, I am my work. I am Divergent You. I am Hoop Brothers. I am my TED Talk. Like those are things that I would define myself on. That goes back to your first question of who are you? Now I am me. Like I am Sam. And I will always be Sam. And that's who I am. And I feel like I have been able to learn that and deeper, like you can know that at surface value, but to really feel that transformation for myself, going through the class as a student, I believe so much in what I'm doing that I'm taking the class, hiring somebody else to lead me through the class because it's helping me to grow on that level. And, I, and at this point, I'm like, man, I just want to keep being a student. Like it's it's going to be hard to not be a student because <laughs> I grew so much. Like I want to do it again. And I want to, so we're building another class that's in nine languages, which we probably won't have too much time to get to, but 
Um, that's that'll also, be the follow-up. That'll be a follow-up conversation. Follow-up. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is so, so rich. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I told you it goes, it goes really deep. Um, and so money is building money systems, but also like money mindset and, um, feelings about money. How do we perceive money? Is money the root of all evil? Are we sure? Is there another way to look at it? Um, so mm-hmm. we look at like, how do we feel about money? When has money come with pain? When does money come with joy? How do we spend money? Um, and so it's, it definitely gets, um, pretty, uh, pretty complex. We're not just talking about just the systems. We're talking about like money itself and how do we perceive it and how do we work through that? Um, so yeah, that's, that's the ninth limitation is money. We are three fourths the way through. Okay. So, cause I'm actually working, I'm working on this thing. One of my practices is having better memory. So I'm, I'm walking myself through these steps. I'm like, okay, let's see how well I remember them. So first step is we got to believe. Mm-hmm. Second step is we got to know the rules of the game. Yep. Third step is, and I think I, I skipped one because I heard clarity. I was just like, wait, that's four. Culture. Four is, yeah. So I thought, okay, so third is third is culture. Fourth is clarity. Fifth is the motivation. Sixth is the how. The what was the um, knowledge? Knowledge. The knowledge. Seventh is our time. Eight is our people. It's our community. Nine is our okay connections, not community connections, which kind of bridges into that. But the word is connections. Eight is connections. Nine is money, which you've you've very eloquently pointed out. It's not just money in of itself, but it's the process of money. How do I go from making two thousand dollars in a year to you know being able to, in essence, kind of walk away from not walk away from, but like kind of take a step back, yeah, but other people step off. in, yep. still be able to have that money, and then step when I and need that's to. financial freedom. And that's what we talk about is financial freedom is when your your assets make more than your liabilities. Your expenses are less than the assets make you, and so. At this point, I'm not, I fell off of that because of the coronavirus and how that affected my business. But for the last two years, I've been financially free where I didn't need to work. I didn't have to. My business was making me enough money without me having to do anything to pay my living expenses. Now, Mm -hmm. I live very humbly and I don't have like super high expenses. So I'm not out here making a million dollars, but I built a system that makes me money without me having to work. So I lost that system because it was a lot of it was live event based. So we've had to really pivot, but I know the skill set to do it. I'm doing it again. And so I don't feel um, any like, I mean, when it first hit, it was painful. I'm not going to lie. Um, it was a very <laughs> challenging couple of, it's been a challenging couple of months. Yeah, I hear um, that. But, but I now know, I now have the, the skill set, the knowledge and the understanding of how to build that system quickly. And so I can help people go from the eight years it took me to one or two years that they'll be able to do it because I've done it and I've helped others do it and I refine it and it gets better and it gets better and it gets better. And so it's not about making a million dollars. It's about doing what you enjoy and being happy and building that in a way that gives you the freedom on whatever level you want. Because as soon as I reached that freedom and I was like, Hey, I got this. I was like, now what can I do (laughs) now? What can I give to the world? And so to me, Hoop brothers was like, I achieved my finish line on some level. And now I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that. I'm going to give it back. I'm going to push it back into the world and I'm going to build something that can actually support even more people um, to do what I did because that took me a long time. (laughs) It took me a lot of effort. I made a lot of mistakes and I can minimize those mistakes for so many people. It's, it's so interesting hearing my students now talk about like, you know, I'm never going to work for somebody else again. Like I'm never going to trade my time for money again because 
that doesn't seem like a good trade to me. And they're like, the fact that they're saying that to me, I'm like, man, that took me like five years to figure out and you got it in a month. Like, I'm so proud of you, but I'm also jealous. I'm like, whew, you don't realize how valuable you saying that is. Like, you don't realize how valuable that transformation is because you didn't take those sacrifices. You didn't do all that to get to that point. But at the same time, that's why I'm doing this. <laughs> you know, like that's the point is that they don't have to go through that. Um, and I'm just grateful that I get to, to, you know, give that, um, opportunity for people to feel that. And I mm. feel it when they say things like that, I'm like, oh, this is, this is why I'm doing this. It's for these people to be able to live lives of freedom and joy and doing what they love and not worrying what people think. Mm. Um, but I went off on a tangent there. <laughs> but I mean, isn't that like what good parenting is, right? Like you, you've made the mistakes as a parent and now you say, okay, like I want to help you to, to struggle less or in a different way that I had to, because we're all going to have our struggles, right? Like even them going through that course, they're going to save in just ridiculous amount of time, amount of money, fall downs, gets up, but then they'll have their own, right? So it's like in a way the process of like evolution. It's like you've skipped these, but now you have these higher level ones. So you'll still have to go through it, but you've given them a platform that they can now start to create that freedom in a shorter period of time. Cause ultimately it seems like that's what you're really for is people yeah. getting that freedom in their life. Yeah. It's, it's all about, it's divergent you, right? It's your choice. What do you want in life? And for a lot of our students, that is freedom. That is the ability to live a very free life. We also have a class where we talk about the difference between freedom and structure which do you prefer? Some people really want the structure and they operate better with structure. I personally operate better with chaos and freedom. And so there's not a right answer to that. Um, our students have leaned more in the freedom side as that's typically who we attract. But we also help people to build structures. I mean, one of the, like all of these are structures, they're frameworks on how to process the world. Um, and they're all broken down very detailed. Um, so that's, that's number nine. I'll keep moving. Number 10 is talent. So talent, are you, do you have the skills? Are you, are you talented at what you do? How do you practice? How do you get better? Um, and so we talk about practice habits. We talk about, um, this is the, the, now the final like leg of the class, so to speak, which is like the winding down and the closure. So like we've gone through the strategy and those weeks are really heavy in like learning and getting new strategies and learning how to do things. And now these last three weeks are, a little bit more about um, like the wrapping a bow on it and kind of mm -hmm. like bringing the community together and all that. So like talent is we talk about like, what do you have control over? What do you control and what don't you control? What is within your realm of ability to control and how do you use that to practice and to get better? But also we talk about leadership. So you might not be talented enough. You may never be talented enough, but you can surround yourself with somebody who is, you can bring on the pieces of the people that have the talent that you don't, and you're going to be more successful if you are in a community of people who all bring different talents than if you try to be talented at everything. Yeah. Um, so it's both. It's developing your talent, but also leading and surrounding yourself with others who are very talented at what, um, at what they do. And so that's, that's what we talk about in the talent section. Okay. So the talent, is that, is, would that be like another way, like really the skills that they are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I think those words are interchangeable. I think a lot of people look at what's the difference between talent and skill. Like talent is innate and skill is developed. By talent, I simply mean the development of skill. Yeah. The ability to perform a task. Are you are you able to do it? Are you capable of doing it? And whether or not that's innate or trained, it's still the same thing to me. It's the talent. Can you get it done? Can you get it done regardless of where it came exactly. from? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so maybe you start at a higher talent level or maybe you start at a lower talent level, but you can always get better. And maybe sure. there is a ceiling. Maybe you can't reach a certain point, but again, you can build a team around you who can help with that. Um, okay. So I that's can... that's talent. And then number 11 is location. If you're confined to a specific location, that could limit us. That could hold us back. Where are you right now? And how can you maximize the resources? But also, how can you leave? Are you sure that you need to be there? And that's a hard move for a lot of us is to leave the, our hometown, leave our home place. Like for me, that's never felt like a limitation because I've moved like 20 times. So I've never felt limited to a physical place. Um, but for a lot of people, that's a challenge. It's hard to, to walk away from where you are if it's, if it's holding you back. Because there's probably a, a city that will empower you a lot more, a community that will empower you a lot more. Um, how do you find that place um, and ultimately... Um, make that make that final move. Um, so that's the limitation of of location. Um, but also, how do you use the resources that are available around you and the internet? How do we use, especially right now, we're all confined to a location. So we have to be creative. We have to find ways that we can do this in different ways online um, because we are limited by the physical place. Um, but that doesn't have to stop our mission. That doesn't have to stop what we're trying to do. It can, but it doesn't have to. Um, especially with the now connectedness that we have in the world. Um, so that's, that's number 11. And then the final one is health, the limitation of health. Are you physically and mentally healthy? Um, and, and that goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning, the A to B versus expanding A. Your health is not something to achieve. Your health is something that you have. You have health. If you are breathing, you are alive. You have health. So expanding upon that, whether you are, you know, terminally ill or extremely healthy, your baselines are still the same four things, which is your breath, your nutrition, your activity, and your rest. Doesn't matter. Every person has those same four necessary variables of their physical health. And so rather than trying to achieve health, we're looking at those four things. What's my breath? What's my nutrition? What is my activity? And what is my rest? And a lot of us forget about rest. A lot of us forget about nutrition. A lot of us, I think rest is the one that our culture is go, 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 go. But then we talk about that's the physical health. And then we talk about mental health. And that is what we've been doing the whole semester. The pulse test, the going back and looking at your values and staying consistent proactively. That way you're not, mental health is not bad health. Mental health is not mental illness. Mental health is, you can be healthy. When we talk about physical health, we're not talking about, oh, physical health means you're injured. No, physical health means you're growing strength. Mental health, you're growing strength. It's the same thing. It's not just the bad. So what we've been doing the whole semester up to that point is strengthening the mental health by doing a pulse test every week, checking on your values. How are you doing? And improving upon it and improving upon it, improving upon it. It's a proactive tool that allows us to approach our mental health in a different way than um, just waiting for things to get bad, like we talked about in the motivation. Um, and so it all kind of like ties together at the end. Um, we have a, a class called the equation, which is like pulls all the variables into one clear equation of like, this is, this is how to solve for you and your impact in the world. All of these tie together. And ultimately these are the only 12 things that can stop you. And you now have frameworks on how they are, how you can overcome each. And so now you have the ability to be unlimited. You just have to figure out 
what is it that you want to do? And most of them have already figured that out by the end. And it's funny because the end of the semester is a starting point for a lot of people Mm -hmm. uh, where they like then launch into their next thing. So we close the semester with Divergent X, which is our graduation ceremony. Um, and so all the students who want to give speeches, we allow to give speeches. They talk about their transformation. They talk about what they're doing now. And we do a creator's expo that allows them to display what they do so that people in the community, the past graduates, the alumni, but the supporters, because we, we had like 70 people at our last event, um, they can display what they do and people can purchase things from them. People can do business with them. They can build relationships with them. And so it's this like expo um, and they get to give inspiring speeches about what they did. And so it's a very, you know, big project. Uh, it's a very big class. And I don't know if I've ever articulated it as much as we just did now. So I feel like that's a, a deep dive that I appreciate you uh, going on with me. Oh, dude, this has been so much fun. I actually, the entire time, I was just like, man, this is inspiring, like truly inspiring. Like, and also I appreciate you being so willing and open to to discuss it in depth, right? Like we just went through a lot. Like I think that conversation alone, if I had to guess, was like over an hour, like just yeah. going into the depths of it. Just like, okay, great. So I'm gonna do my best. You're gonna correct me as I go. So we have first developed the belief. We we know, okay, like I can I can do this. Cause in essence, it's if you can't, if you don't think you can, you won't go. But I know I can. Yeah. I know how to play this game. I know the rules. Right. Now I have the culture the the more like the people who are like kind of like connected to us kind of like closer to our home life uh then we have our clarity and and knowing okay cool like this is this is the kind of like the direction and everything have our motivation and what is ultimately inspiring the direction that we're going then we have the knowledge i believe it is there's knowledge oh look at me i'm actually staying up with it knowledge so the the knowledge the know-how of how to actually get a thing done then we are heading into the time and really dealing with the limitation, the beliefs around time. Do we think we have enough time? Do we, do we not think we have enough time? What is really connecting all of that? Once we've distinguished that, we're heading into the, the people, the, the uh, I got this connections that yep. we have. And this is, you know, with ourselves as it pertains to the people, our environment, who can we connect to in order to continue working on you know, towards our goal and also support people as well through our connections. How can we collaboratively connect one another and not networking? As you said, it's more about the communal aspect about Mm -hmm. being able to do this as not as I, but we, how can we collectively begin to elevate each other, which I think is so evident in your, your divergent X, which I'm going to touch on at the end. But then from there we have money and dealing with our beliefs about money and, and how to create systems to where we can ultimately create that freedom. Cause isn't that what it's all about is to have more time that, you know, yes, like we love what we're doing, but to be able to have more time with our family or, or with ourselves or to take that vacation or whatever it is, that's really calling us, but being able to create that financial freedom through this one. Then we have, uh, I know this, I'm at the look, I'm cheating. Uh, oh yes. The skills, the talent, talent, talent developing the skills that are necessary in order to propel us towards that and then being able to then handle our location where where we are and does this support us does it nourish us or you know does this include also if we need to like move to another location is Mm -hmm. that part of it as well yep okay awesome and then the final step is our health and that is our physical as well as our emotional or rather mental or no, you didn't say mental or you didn't say emotional, but you said physical and mental, physical health or mental health, 
which included our, um, let's see, I know there was rest. I know that there was breath. I know that there was diet. And I know that there was, uh, you said like physical exercise or some kind of exercise. That's what it was. Activity. That's what it was. Okay. So we've gone through this journey. Now we've come out the, the three month phase. We've, we've developed our community. We've learned people by name. We've really started to take this idea and put into action and fruition. And now we're at our divergent X. It's like our graduation of sorts. It's this expo. We're sharing our ideas with people, alumni from the previous uh, classes, as well as you people who end up showing up. And I honestly have never heard of anything like that. And to me, that is so invaluable because man, when somebody feels seen and they feel heard and they feel valued to be able to give them a platform to really acknowledge, here's where I was before, right? We did our pulse test. Here's where I am now. And here's what I see as possible. That's special. It, it really is. And it's, it's been like, it's such a good cap to the experience because it gives the students a chance to stand up and say, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. And it really like, it solidifies it. You go through this three month transformation and then you stand up on a stage and you say, this is me. This is how I transformed. And we encourage our students to, to say, this is how you can do the same. And how you can do the same is not come to Divergent you. It's, this is what I learned at Divergent. I mean, you noticed how in this conversation, I didn't hold back anything. Like, I'll give away all the content that we do. Anybody who asks, like, I'm trying to put it out online. There's just so much of it that it takes time to, like, produce it all and put it out for free. But I don't care about the information. I want people to have it, to use it and learn from it. And so, like, our students will stand up and say, this is the exercise that changed me the most. So you do this on your own. They don't say come to Divergent You. They say you're, you know, use this information and go. Like I tell them at the end, I'm like, this is, this is yours. Give it to the world. Teach other people. Use it. It's not. It's not. I don't care. Like I'm not in this for the money. Like to me, this is like I want people to use this information to better the world and better themselves. And seeing that we've now had three semesters of that today, actually tonight is Divergent X Volume Three. This is our third graduation. And so it's funny that we're talking today um, because that is tonight and we're doing it online because we have to. Um, but virtual you know, caps and gowns. <laughs> it's going to be so like I'm giving a speech and like I'm giving my student story. And the cool thing is like Angela's running the event. So I'm not like going to be um, as like the face this time around. I get to just kind of like because what I what I one of the reasons I took it as a student is. I'm a leader in almost everything I do. And I wanted the chance to be a student. I wanted the chance to be uh, immersed in a community where I wasn't the person that was leading. Like I wanted a chance to relax, sit back and be a member rather than just the person out in front leading. And so now like I'm, I'm going to be a divergent you graduate. And that's really cool for me because I didn't go to my high school graduation for various reasons. Um, and I didn't graduate college. I dropped out. And so this will be my first like graduation. Whoa, man. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks, man. No, I, I so respect that. The fact that you created a platform now you get to be a part of it like that to me shows me the heart and how much you believe in what you're doing. Like this isn't, you, you say it, it's one thing to say something, but it's another thing. Again, I can hear your words. It's like the Maya Angelou saying, it's like, they'll, they'll forget what you said. They'll forget what you did, or maybe it was that, but they'll never forget how you made them feel and how you're leaving me feeling right now. It's like, I believe what you're saying. Like, I believe 
and then you're like, yeah, take this work, but go and do with it what you will share it. Like ultimately it doesn't matter. There's this interesting thing that that is such a commitment to an abundance mindset where you say, I'm not worried about somebody else having this outside of the course, because I know whether you, maybe you have, you've verbalized this to yourself, but in my mind, I'm like, you taking that approach is what is going to have it be successful. And you're committed. You said patience committed to the long game and knowing that me being this way is exactly what's going to cultivate the type of community and the type of people that I want, which goes to the very beginning of our conversation about values and knowing Am I doing it for the money or am I doing it because something inside of me and what matters to me? And I can't thank you enough for being a leader that's willing to also then go into his own course and say, I believe in this so much. I'm willing to do it and it's impacting my life. Yeah, thank you. No, it's been a, it's definitely been a, a journey and it was not the journey I signed up for at the beginning of the semester because <laughs> coronavirus hit and I had to then go into superhero mode of like, I got to pick up the pieces of one broken business. I got to take a class that was not meant to be online online. Um, and I felt like with the support of my team, like we did a really, really good job of everything. Like we stabilized Hoop Brothers. We got the online classes going on Divergent U with multiple iterations. Like the beginning I was shooting videos and then I was like, mm, the videos don't capture the experience the same way. We've got to do it. We can't just like present the information and then talk about it. We've got to do it class format. So we changed it midway through, which we, we changed it to go online when it wasn't meant to be online. And then midway through the online, I changed it again because I was like, this isn't where I want it to be. So like we've been pivoting um, throughout and like, this is, this is now the, the culmination of like three semesters of work. And even this book is now um, a little bit old because we've we've updated, we've we adjust, we grow it. And so it started with me going into my cocoon saying, what have I learned? It started with six limitations. I was like, there's six things that could possibly hold you back. Someone was like, what about health? It's like, ah, that's true. What about talent? Oh, that's also true. What about location? I uh, didn't think of that. <laughs> so like, this wasn't all just my ideas. This was everybody brought something to this. Um, and it's been now hundreds of people that have seen it, not hundreds of people who've taken a class yet. We have 35 total graduates, um, but hundreds of people who've seen it. And I haven't been challenged on like, there's more than 12. Like there's, those are the 12. Like that's what holds you back. If you believe it, if you have the rules in place, if you have the culture in place, if you have the motivation, if you have the knowledge, if you have the clarity, if you have the money, the time, the connections, the talent, the location, the health, what can stop you? And each of those can be achieved. Each of those can be pushed. And so the fact that that's true means we can't be limited. We can be limited in a, in a time standpoint. Like I have a hundred year goal. I'm not going to achieve that tomorrow. But if I look at the mission as greater than me, I know the mission can be achieved even if I die. Like if I pass away in two years, I can't pass away yet because I haven't gotten this fully off my plate. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, please. Whatever. <laughs> give me a little bit more time. Whatever is operating all of this, please just give me a little more time. <laughs> but but if it's, you know, if it's in two years when I have the 12 limitations and the nine languages self-sufficient running themselves the mission is going to be achieved, whether it's me or somebody else doing it. Like, that's what I care about. I'm just a vessel. I am just the person who's carrying it out. Um, and so that's why, like, when we started, I was talking about my intention is let spirit speak through me. Cause that's all this ever is. It's just, I am a vessel for something greater. Like I am, I've seen the problem of what is in education. I've seen, and, and some people don't see it as a problem and I respect that. Um, but I think that there are a lot of things that we can be doing that are better 
Um, and I'm going to innovate and I'm going to push that because I I'm capable. Um, and it's like that, you know, Spider-Man, great power comes great responsibility kind of thing. I feel like I have great power. I have the ability to impact, um, myself and others. Like I can, and the more I've seen it, the more I'm realizing, like I can actually do pretty much anything I want to do. And that's a, a scary realization to, to see, like, I can do anything. That's a lot of power. Yeah. That's a lot of, that's a lot of like, so how am I going to use that power? What am I going to do with that power? I could use it to manipulate people or I could use it to empower people. And to me, like, why would I use it to manipulate people? Like, what do I possibly need? What would I want to take from others that I don't already have? Like, if I can be unlimited now, like, if I have that power now, what would using it to, to oppress do? What would that do for me? Like oppression. And, and that's one thing I speak out again a lot. And I'm, you know, going on a different, little bit of a different path with this, but <sighs> oppression doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it's not a logical idea. Um, it doesn't make sense to push other people down. It doesn't make sense to try to climb this ladder to get to a singular point at the top. Like there is not a singular point at the top. We all can be, powerful we all can be impactful we all can be unlimited and so many people think they have to limit others to empower themselves i'm like it i just the data from my life doesn't add up to that it adds up to the more we share the more we empower the more power we give the more we have power the more we can spread power the more we can be unlimited um and it's a tool that can be used for such good in the world and so that is, um, you know, why I feel like I'm here is to, to spread that and share that and do my part in putting us forward in the next chapter of what the world has. And so that is, yeah, that's, that's what I'm about. <laughs> Who am I? I am all of that <laughs> and more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we didn't, we didn't even talk about the fact that I write poetry. I write raps, <laughs> you know, Hoop Brothers, we didn't talk about it at all. We didn't talk about the nine languages. There's so many facets to who I am and what I do that like, it will never be fully captured. And I've tried so hard <laughs> because like I do a rabbit hole series that I wrote on my Facebook page, which is like, it's 70 episodes of deep dives. They're like blog posts basically. Um, and I deep dive into so many different topics. I talk about God. I talk about, um, vices. I share vulnerabilities. I talk about money. I talk about feminism. I talk about, um, oppression. I talk about everything. And so like, I go real deep into different concepts on that. And that series ended with me talking about, um, I feel like I'm adding too much to this conversation now, but it's always um, going exactly where it's supposed to. <laughs> um, the last one was about death and mm -hmm. like the bottom of the rabbit hole is death. And the question is, is life meaningful? Does life matter? And the answer is yes. Yes. Life is meaningful. Life matters. Um, you can, I've, I've stood in the face of um, some dark thoughts from others, like suicidal thoughts. And I've stood with them and not been afraid of their thoughts. I was like, I'm willing to go there with you. Like I'm willing to go to the dark places. I'm not afraid. And like, I've stood in that and been like, no, like life is meaningful. This is not like, and not to judge it, not to say like, oh, you can't have those thoughts. Those are bad thoughts. No thoughts are bad thoughts. You can have the thoughts. It's okay to have the thoughts, but like allow yourself to really sit with those thoughts. Like, are you sure? Are you sure life doesn't matter? Because that doesn't seem like spiritually, if you're at all spiritual, then I don't agree. But if you're not spiritual, 
let's let's go there. Science, nature. Do trees kill themselves? Do frogs kill themselves? Like it doesn't make sense. And it's not like life matters. It's very meaningful. Um, and I know that went a little bit <laughs> different direction, but to me, like life is just, it's a meaningful thing that we have. And I don't see it as running out. I see it as adding up. I see it as I'm going to celebrate every moment, every day, every minute, every hour, because why not? Like what, why not? What would hold me back from that? Like I, I minimal and, and like, you know, who am I to talk? I think some people could say I minimalized my whole life. I was literally two months ago. I took out all of my furniture. I took out everything that didn't feel like me. I didn't have a dining room table. I didn't have a couch. All I had was this chair that I'm sitting in and my TV and uh, things to cook with. Like I did not, my car is not a great car. Like I don't care about those things. I intentionally took everything out of my life to see, can I be at the bottom and still feel like life is meaningful? And yeah, I actually felt like life was more meaningful to that when I got to that point. And now I'm adding things back to my life and everything I add is meaningful. And so I, I went to that like minimalistic place. I had six or seven pairs of clothes, like, you know, four pairs of shoes. Like that was like, I got to the, to the very core of like, I had a tally on everything I owned to the, to the movies that I had, to the books that I went to the very, very core of like, okay, if I take everything away, what's left? me that's what's left and now i want me to expand and i want me to grow and so now i've been adding more to my life because that was the completion of a of a journey um but again now i'm just <laughs> going on a million times no, this is on. actually really great i i was listening to a, a conversation a podcast with aubrey marcus and kyle kingsbury where they were talking about the importance of detoxing and not necessarily just food but detoxing as a means to go to a far extreme and how the importance of knowing and understanding both extremes, because it's in the middle of those extremes where we find our path, right? So if I decide I'm going to do a sugar detox, I remove all sugar from my diet, or I do a house detox, I remove everything. I remove all, mm -hmm. my, all of my, my furniture, I remove all of my clothing, all of my, my movies and everything, right? I remove all of it and I say, okay, now what is left? How do I feel? And then once I've been with that, as you so clearly pointed out, now I can actually start to add things, but it comes back with a, with a more meaningful uh, intention, right? So what I'm adding is, in, in their example, they were talking about carbs. They said, I removed all carbs. And then I went to the other side of the spectrum and I ate all the carbs. And I figured out that in eating all the carbs, I figured out which ones were especially bad for me. Like I found out specifically like this mm -hmm. carb adds a lot of inflammation. I, I enjoy it, but I'm only going to have it very, very finite amount because I know that it's not good for me. So what you're pointing at, I think is, is great because much like how every single thing that we're going through is it's, it's a, it's a birth and a death cycle all the time, right? The, the sun mm -hmm. rises, the, the sun goes down, the moon rises, the moon goes down. It's all birth and a death. Matter of fact, our conversation is a birth and a death, right? We had our arc, we talked about the 12 and now we're you, just natural that you bring up the conversation of death. And in this death, there's this, this is cyclical nature of life and being able to go into that space and still find that you have this overwhelming sense of peace that isn't that perhaps one of the great journeys of life is being able to find that no matter what I have or don't have, I still have myself. And it sounds like you yes. dived into yeah. that. Yeah. And what I always say is true peace cannot be disturbed. Hmm. So if you're in peace, it doesn't matter what is around you. 
you can't be disturbed by anything if you're at true peace. If you can be disturbed, then you're not at true peace. So true peace cannot be disturbed. Doesn't matter what's going on around me. Like I said, like, you know, talking to somebody who's at that dark place, like I didn't let that disturb my peace. I sat with them and I listened and I was there and I said very little and I just listened for hours. Um, but not in a way of like judgment or like, Oh, you shouldn't do that. Or that's a bad thought. It's just like, that's a thought that you have. And that is okay. I don't value you less as a person for that thought. That is a fair thought to have if that's what you have, but let's talk about it. Let's break it down. Are we sure? Let's see. Like, let's really, let's really go there. Um, but more so doing that by listening, um, and by holding space. I think something I, I was going to mention earlier on is like leadership to me is holding space. It's just as simple as like holding space for another person to be themselves. And what diverging you is, is a space that I created that holds space for people to be themselves at their purest and best and rawest and most vulnerable form where they can be that around other people who are being that. And when you go through that, you come out a different person because most people have never experienced that. Most people have never experienced being able to truly be themselves around others. And when you do that and everybody takes off their masks and they realize like, Oh, we're all people. And like, this is okay to be a person. Um, it's very, very hard to go back. It's very, very hard to put it back on because then you're like, well, these people accept me and they're all way different than me. So other people will accept me too, because I'm not, this isn't the only class. There's other class. There's a lot of these people, people, Oh wait, this is everybody. Everybody's different. Everybody's human. Everybody feels pain. Everybody feels joy. Everybody feels stress. And so that's why I say I'm openly an emotional person because we all are, we all are vulnerable. We all have pain. We all have fear. Some of us hide it and we do it because we think it protects us. And I think in many cases it might. Um, I think some people are in potentially legitimate dangerous situations where sharing those thoughts could be painful to their experience. And I respect that. Um, but there's another way. There is another way to live this life. Um, around people that are actually empowering you, around doing what you actually love. Um, and I just want to be a bridge to that as much as I possibly can. So I, I'm, I thank you for this opportunity because I feel like this conversation could certainly help a lot of people. Um, and uh, again, I appreciate the opportunity. It's not by chance that we're here. You know, a lot of things had to happen, including me going to hostel in the forest, meeting Angela, and then time later realizing, oh, I want to reach out to Angela for a podcast. And then she gets on and she's like, yeah, I have someone I want to connect you with. I imagine that the person who's facilitating a class, like I have someone I want to connect you with. And here we are having this conversation. All of it all led up to this exact moment in time. I'm grateful that all of the infinite timelines that exist collapsed right here into this moment. And the thing that I'm left with amongst a lot of things that you've said, <laughs> a lot of things that you've said, but the thing that I'm left with right at the end, at least this is what I deduced from it. Maybe it's because I have a filter that we all, but my filter brought forth was really what this is all about is living truth, being embodied, living truth, yes. right? The removal of the mask. Hence in such a perfect seed at the center of your nine uh, what did you call them? Languages, nine languages. The center of your nine languages is truth. And that was the thing. When you showed me that board, 
I said, look at that. Look at right is at the center of it, truth. And this entire mission, this entire movement is about truth. It's about finding that truth. Because when you can find your people, you can find that truth within yourself. And you can take that into the world and perhaps in the face of, you know, perhaps uncertainty and fearful situations, whatever, but to live, oh, I knew that was going to happen one day. And here it is. <laughs> the veil has been removed. This is perfect. <laughs> and I'm so glad this happened. <laughs> the truth, the veil has been removed. <laughs> and here we are. This is great. <laughs> and that's not getting edited out either. See, truth is revealed. The veil is removed. This is all, this is all a part that's of my so speech funny. now. This is all part of my closing speech. When the truth is revealed and the veil is removed and the mask comes down, you see the essence of a person. I think that that to me, that's love. And that's what this is all about. That was, that was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) You make do with what you got. (laughs) Uh, The fact that you're talking about this is truth. This is how it is. And then boom, that's, that's hilarious. You can't make that up. You can't make that up. That just and if you're not, if you're listening to the audio of this, I encourage you. If you don't listen to the, watch the whole video, just watch the last you know little bit of it and watch what just happened because it was really perfect. Honestly, it creates such an imagery. But yeah, man, thank you, thank you so much for this. And if people are wanting to get connected with you, and yes, they connected. What are, what's a good way for that to happen? Um, so I'm I'm kind of doing a digital cleansing right now. Um, I don't know when this will be posted, so probably I'll be back online by the time this is posted. But um, the best place is either on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Um, and it's just my name, Sam Terrell, S-A-M-T-A-R-E-L-L, um, on all platforms. But Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, probably the best places. Probably Instagram more than um, others. To, to If you're trying to message me, I'm always open to conversation. Like My inbox is is wide open and I'm, I'm willing to go. I can't respond right away all the time because you know, I get a lot, but I think the, uh, as soon as I can, I'll always get back to anybody who has any thoughts, needs advice, is interested in Divergent U. Um, you can also go to Divergent U's website. It's divergent-u.com um, and look at the classes we offer in a little bit more detail. You can see every single one of our students' stories. We don't hold any of them back. It's all authentically out there. You can see first semester, second semester, third semester, every student that went through the class, what their journey was, their speech, their story um, is all public. So if you're interested in getting involved with that, definitely check it out. Uh, I believe that the class that we offer is the best class in the world on transforming your life and doing what you want to do for a living. So if you are interested in expanding upon what you do from an entrepreneurial standpoint, especially, I highly recommend reaching out because I am 100% confident that I can help you um, and that the community we have can be an amazing support to what you do. So um, if any of that interests you, please reach out. Or if you thought any of this was just fascinating and you want to get more of my perspectives on it, um, I would love to chat when I have the time. So thank you. Swiggity sweet. Sam, it's been such a pleasure. Again, <clears throat> I can't thank you enough for cutting the time out of your life. I know you you got a crazy busy schedule, but thank you for being here, friend. Thank you for having me. For sure. And for those of you listening, as I mentioned earlier, and as we always mention, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you've made it this far, this was a good one. This was definitely a good and long one, but we dived deep. We dived really deep. Actually, this is one thing I forgot to mention. Uh, one thing out of everything that we've covered, 
what is one thing that a person can take right now and begin to have that transformation start to occur in their life if they get nothing else than one, this one thing that they can do? Sure. This isn't even something we talked about necessarily, but priorities. Um, write your list. What is the most important to you? What is your list of priorities? Rank them. Number one, this is most important. To me, that's, for me, number one is my relationship with spirit. Number two is my relationship with myself. So that's my mind, body, spirit, physical, mental health. Then it's my relationship with the immediate people around me. Then it's my work. Then it's, you know, fill in the blanks. But I would say make a list of your priorities. What is actually most important to you? And are you upholding that as a true list? Or are you sacrificing what's most important for you for to impress others or to uphold an image or because you feel like you're supposed to? Um, look at look at your life and really set like these are my priorities. This is what's most important to me. Make that list and then compare it to where you're at right now and say, do I need to make a change or am I happy with where I'm at? Um, and so that's what I would recommend is make that list of like what is actually meaningful to me and important to me because we have an infinite amount of places we can put our energy. And if you're not aware or prioritizing of that energy, then it gets dispersed without your control or without your say so. And there's just so many ways that it could get pulled without you being intentional and mindful of it, that it's really important to create that priority list of what is the most important to you so that you can start from there and then expand uh, from that. That would be my one piece of advice. Hmm. So if that were a tangible practice, would you say like set a 10 minute timer, list out the domains that we exist in, whether it's our relationships, our health, our work, and just taking a number to each of them saying, okay, this is number one, this is number two. I would start with number one. I would say instead of listing all the things, like start from zero and say, okay, if there was one thing that is the most important thing to me in the world, what is it? Where do I want to start? And my recommendation is starting with like spirit, starting with self. Um, but that's just my perspective. And I don't believe that my perspective is the right perspective. That's what's worked for me. What's worked for me has been putting meditation, spirituality, prayer first, and then health second. Um, that's been my priority list. But I would look at, for you, what is most important? I think it's logical that health should be a top priority um, because that allows everything else to function. Um, but if you have another perspective on that, I'm not going to tell you that that's how it should be. Um, but think about it. Think about it for yourself. What is what is most important to you in the world? What is number one? And that could be defined in any way you want to define it. It doesn't have to be put into a box. Um, your priority list is yours. And so there are a lot of ways you could go about creating that priority list and create different boxes, but there's not a right way to do it. Um, so I think start with what's number one most important. What is the thing that I will never sacrifice that mm -hmm. will take priority over everything else? Cool. Now what's number two? Is number two, number two, or is maybe number two, number one? Okay, number two is number two. Number three, uh, actually, you know what? Number three is actually should be number one. I forgot about number three. So like go one at a time, add them until you run out of like, until you run out. Like to me, I think you get to like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10. And then you probably won't have many more after that. Um, and, you know, it just depends on how you want to organize it. Do you want to have just five? Do you want to have 10? Do you want to have three? Um, but think about that. And I would, I would just start with what is most important to me and most meaningful to me uh, and kind of go from there. Awesome. Thank you for that. <laughs> I almost forgot. I was just like, wait, wait, wait. No, I really want to get that. Okay, perfect. So 
take a list, make the priorities, make that a priority to make those things a priority because then we can we can live from that versus it kind of being just random, like you said, not knowing where the energy goes. Exactly. So that's a good one. Take that with you. And as always, thank you for your time, for your listening, for your energy. All of it is, I'm just grateful. I'm so grateful for. And as always, continue to find, follow, and live your truth and follow the wolf within you. How? Peace. Thank you so much for listening in. If you got value out of this message, we would love it if you subscribed and shared it with your tribe so we can continue to share this message and this medicine with people all over the world. Much love and peace be with you.